It is long past time for Russia to stop covering for Assad. The current state of U.S.-Russia relations is at a low point. The vicious slaughter of innocent civilians with chemical weapons, including the barbaric killing of small and helpless children and babies, must be forcefully rejected by any nation that values human life. It is time to end this brutal civil war, defeat terrorists, and allow refugees to return home. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. The Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, hump day, Wednesday, April 12, 2017. Welcome to the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. And on a busy news day, the Secretary of State Rex Tillerson in Moscow today. Uh, meeting with uh, Sergei Lavrov, the uh, ambassador there, and also uh, meeting with um, Vladimir Putin, which was uh, surprising, was not scheduled. And he did meet with Putin. And, well, the conversation today that Russia and the U.S. are at an all-time low in terms of diplomacy standing, which is not what President Trump wanted. He wanted to be able to work with them, but... Russia um, is causing a lot of problems in this uh, by by supporting Bashar al-Assad in Syria after that deadly chemical weapons attack. And we uh, still have the reaction coming out from uh, all different countries. And the foreign policy is going to be really the headline for at least another day. And tomorrow we actually have a former State Department official, uh, Tanisha Tingle-Smith, on the program tomorrow. So uh, you can hear her reaction to the Syria strike and uh, talk about also the uh, immigration order that we discussed the other day with um, Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, enforcing the law, building the wall, all of that. So we'll get into that tomorrow with Tanisha Tingle-Smith. But uh, like I said, Rex Tillerson in Moscow today. And, well, this is what he had to say uh, just saying that uh, relations are at an all-time low. Of about two hours with President Putin. We frankly discussed the current state of U.S.-Russia relations. I expressed the view that the current state of U.S.-Russia relations is at a low point. There is a low level of trust between our two countries. The world's two foremost nuclear powers cannot have this kind of relationship. We further discussed approaches to improving our channels of communication. We had a lengthy exchange of views regarding the situation in Syria and shared perspectives on possible ways forward. Earlier today, Foreign Minister Lavrov and I had a lengthy conversation about issues that require immediate attention and issues that require longer-term attention. We understand that improvement in the long-term relationship will be required if we are to make progress on issues where we have different views. We spoke extensively about Syria, and in some areas, we share a common view. Specifically, we both believe in a unified and stable Syria, and we agree we want to deny a safe haven for terrorists who want to attack both of our countries. We agree that North Korea has to be denuclearized. We agree there needs to be more senior level communication between our two countries, both at a diplomatic and military level. But there is a broad range of other issues in which we have differences. Some have global implications with long-term requirements, and others are understood to be bilateral. Now, what I don't understand is how any nation at this point in our history, after two world wars, after destruction, okay, after this Iraq war, after 9-11, how nations cannot bind together and attempt, not only attempt, but just do it in fighting uh, radical Islam, in fighting extremism of any group, 
and ensuring peace and stability in the world. I don't understand how you can have a country like Russia who today is blocking a United Nations Security Council condemnation of the Syria attack. It does not make sense. To me, the United Nations is useless because they allow Russia to even block and veto this uh, Western-led effort today at the UN condemning the gas leak, uh, the gas attack, the deadly gas attack in Syria, and uh, pushing Bashar al-Assad to cooperate with international inquiries. How the hell can Russia have the power to veto that? How is that allowed? Okay, so what I don't understand here, when you have, and clearly there are, and President Trump commented on this today, uh, echoing what Rex Tillerson said in that clip, is that, yeah, uh, conversations and our diplomacy with Russia is at an all-time low. And uh, and listen, this goes because, you know, people hear Russia, they think of the election. Forget about that, okay? Because that has nothing to do with anything. What we have now is a president who is being challenged by adversaries. And you have someone who President Trump wants to work with anyone that wants to work with him in terms of defeating terrorism. In terms of increasing stability. But Russia clearly doesn't want to do that. And they're supporting a dictator in Bashar al-Assad. President Trump was on a Fox Business Network on uh, Maria Bartiromo's program, Mornings with Maria, this morning. And he commented on Bashar al-Assad. He said he's truly an evil person. Putin is backing a person that's truly an evil person. And I think it's very bad for Russia. I think it's very bad for mankind, it's very bad for this world, but when you drop gas or bombs or barrel bombs, they have these massive barrels with dynamite and they drop them right in the middle of a group of people, and in all fairness, you see the same kids, no arms, no legs, no face. This is an animal. Yeah, he is an animal. And now it seems like the United States is going to pursue removing this dictator, this animal, from power. The problem is, is that if the U.S. is involved in that, who replaces Bashar al-Assad, or if he is overthrown by anyone who replaces him? Russia needs to get on board here, and you can't trust Russia as far as you can throw them. Um, Russia blocked this t uh, this resolution that the U.N. was supporting uh, the eighth time during Syria's six-year civil war that Moscow has used its veto power on the Security Council to shield Assad's government. In the latest veto today, Russia blocked a draft resolution backed by the U.S., France, and Britain to denounce the attack in the town uh, in Syria of Khan Shakun and tell Assad's government to provide access to investigators and information such as flight plans. Now, Russian President Vladimir Putin said today that the trust had eroded between the two countries because... He doesn't like that we're sanctioning him, okay? And he thought he was going to get an easy ride, and look, he's not, okay? And everyone is wrong, okay? Nobody understands President Trump, which is ironic and pretty hysterical. Uh, obviously, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, you heard, echoed the same claims that Putin said in the fact that uh, we do not have good relations at this moment. Now, the Syrian government, they've not only used gas attacks and uh, chemical weapons on their own people for more than half of the over 10 times since 2013 that they used chemical, that chemical weapons was used in Syria against Syrian civilians. But they are uh, responsible for deadly chlorine gas attacks, three of them in 2014 and 2015, that the UN was vetoed on acting then. So the UN is useless. They, if they don't have the power to not just condemn it in words, but actually act on this, why the hell do we have a United Nations? Now, Nikki Haley is doing a fantastic job re representing the United States. Well, uh, she, as the ambassador to the UN, uh, made very strong comments directed at Russia. And if you watch the video of this, the faces of the Russian ambassadors to the UN... Pretty priceless. Here's Nikki Haley at the UN today. To my colleagues from Russia, 
You are isolating yourselves from the international community every time one of Assad's planes drop another barrel bomb on civilians, and every time Assad tries to starve another community to death. People not just in the West, but across the Middle East and the world are speaking out against Assad's brutality. It is long past time for Russia to stop covering for Assad. It is long past time for Russia to, put, to push seriously for peace and not continue to be part of the problem. Iran is Assad's chief accomplice in the regime's horrific acts. Standing next to Assad's generals are Iranian advisors whispering in their ears or giving orders. Standing next to Assad's sol soldiers are Hezbollah militias with weapons courtesy of Iran and the power to overrule the Syrian military. Iran is dumping fuel on the flames of this war in Syria so it can expand its own reach. You know, that nuclear deal in Iran really sounds great, doesn't it? Unbelievable that we send billions of dollars to that nation who is funding terrorism in this region. And the whole goal of this, um, of this uh, security, UN Security Council measure, it would investigate what was going on in Syria before it, uh, it did anything to Assad. And, well, Putin is claiming that the regime is innocent. But uh, if what Nikki Haley said uh, during her comments today at the United Nations was that if the information uh, found out to prove that al-Assad was innocent in the chemical weapons attack, then what's the problem? Why can't we investigate? Uh, apparently, Russia is putting forward a rival draft resolution that expresses concern at last week's gas attack and condemns the U.S. strike on Syria. Now, it's unclear if Moscow is going to actually put this to a vote, but they've called this an act of aggression that the U.S. did on Syria. Well, it was very necessary, and if you want to call it an act of aggression, go ahead. But, you know, you cannot support... I don't know how any human being, any um, country, can support the uh, dictatorship and rule of someone like Assad, who has used chemical weapons against his own civilians. It's... Sickening it is, I mean, you know, the words to to use here escape you because it is so heinous in nature. And it's so astounding when you see the pictures. And uh, clearly that moved President Trump and he moved on to act on it. But you see those pictures of children dying in their parents' arms, of children having to be hosed down. That is deplorable. And something needs to be done about it, and Trump acted on it within 63 hours. But now, anyone that's complicit, and if Russia's complicit, we need to act on them. Iran, who is funding terrorism in that area, and, you know, the chemical weapons could very well get in the hands of ISIS if we don't act in the proper manner. And chemical weapons have been banned since they were used in World War One. They're not supposed to be used in any way. Now, not only is that a problem between uh, Assad's regime in Syria and what's President Trump going to do with that. Now, President Trump said uh, this morning in that interview with Maria Bartiromo that there would be uh, no uh, troops in Syria. Uh, or at least he said that we're, we're not, we don't want to go to war in Syria. Um, I like that he that he says, I'm not going to discuss uh, military. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to pre-discuss what I'm going to do because, you know, you look at situations that the Obama administration, where they failed, they told our enemies when we were going to attack. We're not going to do that anymore. And that sent a message to Assad's regime and, uh, and his allies. And Russia is protecting Assad. And Russia's supporting a murderous dictator. Oh, well, wait a minute. Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's what's going on there. And it's, um, if that, if we don't have action here, these human rights violations will continue. Now, China is another ally of North Korea. China is a big uh, monetary source. For North Korea. So you have to understand 
that this is all intertwined, that foreign policy is very tricky, and th these are all things that I will ask uh, Tanisha Tingle-Smith, former State Department official, on tomorrow's podcast, and I will ask her tomorrow, flat out, um, how can China be play a role in helping the U.S. against North Korea? And in that situation, because then you had this crazy person in Kim Jong-un saying, as President Trump puts a um, uh, ship into the Korean Peninsula, uh, well, North Korea says we are contemplating war with the U.S. Now, whether or not that's an empty threat, I don't know. But President Trump said today that uh, China took a big step in easing tensions between the two nations by turning away North Korean coal ships uh, on Tuesday and returning them to their home, uh, their home port, rather. So, you know, North Korea um, relies on China for money. They get their oil uh, from China. Uh, trade, they heavily rely on China. So President Trump said in that interview today that, you know, uh, that he told the Chinese President Xi Jinping when he was with him at Mar-a-Lago over the weekend, and he said it was he actually had great chemistry with him, which is um, interesting. He said they got, they got along well, that they were supposed to speak for like 15 minutes at a time. They ended up speaking for two, three hours uh, through interpreters. And uh, today, in, uh, in a meeting, joint press conference with NATO Secretary General uh, Jen Stolenberg at the White House, uh, President Trump describes their relationship with the Chinese President Xi Jinping, saying they have good chemistry, um, and he... Uh, brought up this, well, it was reported by Reuters in the morning, but he, I guess, confirmed it by praising China's apparent commitment to banning coal imports from North Korea. The, this, see, China can issue orders here and decide to prevent North Korea or cut off funding for North Korea and hold back and keep them in check. And, um, you know, the coal that uh, flows out of North Korea uh, into China, um, they've apparently turned back boats, uh, a big step um, in uh, in holding back North Korea and preventing them because they're testing ballistic missiles. They are um, they want to be a nuclear power, which just can't happen. It just can't. Um, and so we'll see what happens. Reuters did first report that the ship movement um, occurred. I guess they reported that yesterday. Uh, China's banned all imports of North Korean coal on February 26th, in fact, cutting off the country's uh, most important export pr uh, product after repeated missile tests from, the ice, uh, tests from the isolated nation that drew criticism from around the globe. North Korea is very dangerous. And see, North Korea now threatening war on the U.S., and you have King, Kim Jong-un who will stop at nothing to make these threats. And they keep learning more and more as they test these ballistic missiles. If they eventually can reach the west side of the U.S., uh, that will be devastating. And so it is crucial. Uh, apparently, the Wall Street Journal reported that Trump has a little negotiating power with China. He said he offered China a better trade terms in exchange for help in North Korea. So what the president said is that if you help me with North Korea, President Xi Jinping, if you want to make this make a deal, this is what I'll do. Solve North Korea, and then we'll maintain the $337 billion trade deficit that we have with you. Trump said it's worth it to have these uh, trade deficits with China which he railed against in the campaign. He called them a currency manipulator, which he is not going to label them as a currency manipulator in an upcoming report, and as part of a negotiation. Now, you have to understand the way President Trump thinks. President Trump looks at every single scenario as a negotiation, as a deal, as something that can be leveraged. So the president said, listen, if you deal with North Korea, get them off our backs, make sure that they don't fire missiles into our backyard, then we'll maintain the trade deficit with you. And then it's worth it. But make sure that North Korea backs off. And that was the message, and that's what the Wall Street Journal reported in a uh, wide-ranging interview they had with the commander-in-chief today. Uh, and so the 
president basically says it's more important to focus on the cooperation um, with Beijing and North Korea than it is on trade, although trade was a big topic that was brought up. But the president said that he focused on North Korea a lot uh, over the weekend, last weekend, in Mar-a-Lago. Now, you know how much I care about veterans and veterans' health. This story, okay, when you have all these issues. Now, by the way, um, we have some information that there are some military members, United States, China, uh, possibly joining, you know, uh, in a coalition. Uh, there is some activity going on at the borders of uh, Syria and the border of North Korea. Now, we don't know much. This is all covert. But there's something going on militarily. And the people that serve our nation, now President Trump made sure he called the U.S. Navy members uh, who um, were responsible and uh, for the uh, carrying out the Tomahawk missile attack last Thursday. Well, President Trump has pledged to support our veterans to make sure that they can get the medical attention that they deserve. And we get a report today, the USA Today published an investigation that conditions are so dangerous at the Department of Veterans Affairs in Washington, D.C., that the agency's chief watchdog issued a rare preliminary report to alert patients and other members of the public. The report today from the VA Inspector General found that in recent weeks, the operating room at the hospital ran out of vascular patches to seal blood vessels and ultrasound probes used to map blood flow. They ran out. The facility had to borrow bone marrow for knee replacement surgeries, and at one point, the VA hospital ran out of tubes needed for kidney dialysis, so the staff had to go to a private sector hospital and ask for some. The hospital surged more than 98,000 veterans in the nation's capital. It lacks an effective inventory system, according to the Inspector General's report. Also, senior VA leaders have known about the pro problem for months, and they haven't fixed it. They've known about this problem for months. And there's no accountability. The VA issued a statement saying that the medical center uh, director, Brian Hawkins, was relieved from his position and placed on administrative duty. But, I mean, the sheer disgust that I have reading this report, uh, I am... Um, uh, I am irate at reading this. Um, the Inspector General rarely issues such preliminary findings. The last time that he did it was at the urology uh, care of the Phoenix VA that uh, were endangering patients, and it required, quote, immediate action. Uh, folks, these are the brave men and women. These are our heroes who fight for us. They come back. They deserve the best medical care. They're the best among us, and they deserve the best medical care and for them to have run out of supplies for them to run out a bone material for knee replacement surgeries uh, this is supposed to be a a hospital that is supposed to serve those who served us and this is why veterans should be allowed to go to any private hospital and if anyone were to receive free health care it's our veterans this is absolutely disgusting, okay? So you have all of these problems around the world. We have people serving us now, uh, whether it be in Germany, whether it be in China, North Korea, okay? All these problems arising around the world. Russia, who has, you know, nuclear weapons. All of these issues. And the veterans who come back, who have PTSD who need treatment, whether it be physical or mental, they deserve it. They're homeless. 90, was it 95,000 homeless veterans on a given night? Something uh, something of that matter. Uh, and you see them on the streets. It's absolutely, uh, no words to describe how abominable this policy is in the way that the VA is being run. Now, there are some good ones in the same regard for anyone to be dying on live or anyone to not be able to get the care on time right away is disgusting. So now the VA uh, in Washington, D.C. 
will need to be totally revamped. Now, here's what President Trump did within his first 100 days. He put a hiring freeze on federal work employees, which is good because that cuts out bureaucracy, especially at the VA where there are too many people that are working that don't do anything. Now, there are some great people that I've met at the VA and on Long Island, uh, the only one in New York, and uh, there are some remarkable people who really care about the veterans. But there are also those that take advantage, and then there are those that are that are whistleblowers, like a uh, someone in Virginia at the Virginia VA, where there was a doctor. Uh, this was a report we had discussed it uh, two three weeks ago now, that this doctor was actually prevented from seeing patients, veterans, because he blew the whistle on their uh, on how that they have wait lists. They put veterans on wait lists and they um, and they make them wait depending on what they have, which is absolutely disgusting. Okay, so it's poorly run. There's high bureaucracy. It's it, it is uh, it needs to be put into sh- tip chop shape. And uh, the president, who has made veterans a key uh, point of his campaign. Uh, that is up on the agenda, by the way, following health care, which will include veterans, and tax reform. That's what we're going to discuss when we come back is, well, how's this health care uh, situation going? Well, we'll tell you uh, because he talked about it with Maria Bartiromo, uh this morning and also the wall and the State Department issuing a uh, warning for travelers to one nation who is supporting terror and a snowflake update snowflake brigade and notre dame at a catholic college and why is everyone so sensitive well we're going to analyze that plus communism being taught to babies that's right communism being taught to babies we are now brainwashing that's when we roll along. We need to take care of our veterans, folks. This is absolutely disgusting. We'll roll along. The Neil A. Christian Show podcast on the Wednesday, April 12th. Exciting things on NeilAcruso.com. Supporting our vets, getting people back to work, and uncovering corruption and lunacy. Log on to NeilAcruso.com. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You want to win? We're going to win so much, you may even get tired of winning. And you'll say, please, please, it's too much winning. Neil A. Crusoe is winning every day. This is the Neil A. Crusoe Show podcast on neilacrusoe.com and on iTunes. Subscribe now. Well, we are going to win. We're going to win despite Congress, which is continuing to obstruct every single order that is being put in front of them, uh, well, that's mostly the Democrats, but the Republicans aren't really too much better. Congress's approval rating, according to Gallup, is at 20%. It has sunk 8% in a month, and uh, for good reason. Obviously, the health care 
which uh, President Trump uh, says, you know, it's not a failure, it's an ongoing negotiation. I mean, President Trump was the one that told Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, pull the health care bill. I don't want it up for a vote. We need to renegotiate this. We need to get things that are going to lower premiums. And listen, that can be positive. Um, and apparently there's some confidence today that uh, they're going to revisit health care, that they are going to get it done um, and truly lower premiums, lower deductibles. I mean, listen, 116% increase in Arizona. Uh, premiums, deductibles through the roof. You can't even use your insurance. Um, and the quality care is terrible. I mean, not as terrible as our veterans, but it is bad. Uh, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. No, you couldn't. Okay, so Obamacare is blowing up on its own. There are also uh, taxes that play a big part in this health care uh, in Obamacare. And so President Trump said, listen, all part of negotiation here, we will get it done. Um, and he said by the end of the year uh, or this year, he's got to get health care. He's going to get tax reform done. Uh, and we'll see. But listen, I wouldn't count him out. And he is going to bring together. He's, he said things are getting better. I, You know, he moves so fast. It's, it's you know, he blows everyone away because if you work at Trump speed, you're uh, you're getting stuff done so quickly, and bureaucracy just holds him back. And uh, the this Congress is really something else. You know, the Freedom Caucus, the moderate Republicans, the Tuesday group, the Wednesday group, the Monday group. It's like uh, just uh, can you come together as as a country, as a party in a country? Um, and so healthcare uh, looks like President Trump is going back to it and saying, you know what, we have to get, it. we're going to get it done. And so he's going to look at healthcare, try to revisit that because there are taxes that are tied into this uh, Obamacare mess, and then that'll make it much easier to go into tax reform. Uh, now he was asked by Maria Bartiromo about tax reform specifically, and well, is it going to be corporate? Is it going to be personal? How are you going to do this? I liked his answer in terms of, he was asked about specifically the border tax. And President Trump said, well, wait a minute, I'm not calling it a border tax because it gives it a bad uh, bad name and they love to stick labels on things. Speaking of labeling, we'll talk about that in a second uh, in terms of these snowflakes. But they label everything, okay? And it's not a border tax when, you know, you have countries who tax up to 100%. Or maybe tax 25%, whatever it is. President Trump said, you know, we, uh, we're we stupid, okay? Because we allow any country, like China, for example, they can uh, supply their goods in here. We don't even tax them. And then we try to sell something in China, we're taxed 100%. So President Trump said, we're going to have a, uh, a tax, but let's not call it a border tax. Let's call it a... Uh, reciprocal tax that basically if you're taxing 100% we'll tax 100% and they can't argue if we tax if you tax 50% we'll tax 50% that'll change things real quick and then it's not a trade war not when they're doing it to us so they don't really have a platform to argue on when they're taxing us that much and you know what is that going to do that's going to protect the American worker that's going to protect the American consumer uh, and then the wall he was asked on, and he said, we're going to build. I mean, people always say, you know, Trump's going back on his. And, he, and guess what? He always proven right. He always sticks to his guns, and the wall is going to be built, and it's um, already been put into fruition. You've seen the immigration uh, policies uh, starting to take shape. No more sanctuary cities. No more uh, illegal aliens being harbored. And if you do, you will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. If you break the law, then you will be prosecuted for breaking the law. It's as simple as that. It's called law and order. It's called enforcing our laws that are on the books. It's simple, common sense stuff. And the State Department today is advising U.S. citizens against visiting Pakistan. Pakistan continues to experience significant terror terrorist violence, including um, sectarian attacks, targeted attacks, Against government officials, humanitarian and non-governmental organization employees, tribal elders, and law enforcement personnel are common. Adding that the uh, foreign and indigenous terrorist groups continue to pose a danger 
to U.S. citizens, this is according to the State Department um, advisory today. Honestly, you couldn't pay me to leave the country. I, I just, I can't. At this point, I mean, listen, we already have terrorism here in this country. Um, anyone that travels to the Middle East is nuts. Unless it is like for your doctor, your doctors without border or something like that. But I tell you, I could not leave this country at this point. You can't pay me any money. You could offer me $10 million. I'm not going to Russia. I'm not going to any of these countries. You got to be kidding. There's so much strife going on in the world. Um, now, now remember on a uh, on a different note here, away from all the foreign policy and, and policy, there's a, there's a few things I want to talk about. Melania Trump, the first lady, has won a settlement against the Daily Mail over the escort allegation. So you remember this, the Daily Mail um, in, uh, when was this? In uh, last year, uh, alleged that Melania Trump worked as a sex worker, as an escort, uh, before uh, she had, she was a citizen. Now, the first lady, uh, Melania Trump, before she was first lady, though, um, did sue for libel against uh, Mail Online in September, seeking $150 million in damages. The lawsuit was later moved to New York after a Maryland judge dismissed the suit. Um, and the news outlet today is paying Trump about $2.9 million in damages and costs, saying, quote, We accept that these allegations about Mrs. Trump are not true, and we retract and withdraw them. We apologize to Mrs. Trump for any distress that our publication caused her. That's from the Daily Mail and Mail Online in a joint statement. These libel laws, okay, that protect um, organizations from writing slanderous things about public figures, frankly, uh, I'm in favor of loosening them uh, because they write the most disgraceful things. They will dig up stuff that, you know, the BuzzFeed dossier that is totally unsubstantial, that was leaked by someone in intelligence, and BuzzFeed published it, no other organization published it because it was so outrageous. And the media bias and total hit job against President Trump and his aides and anyone that comes in contact with him, I mean, the lead story in all the evening news broadcasts last night, okay, now, what do we lead with today? North Korea and Russia and the foreign policy mess that we're in that involves nuclear weapons, that involves people's lives, okay? And what do the evening news broadcast, all of them, begin with? Oh, Sean Spicer made comments that he apologized sincerely for, yes, he was wrong in saying that he had a lapse in judgment. I don't know why he went there. And there's an old saying, you know, those who bring up Hitler first lose. The problem is that's only for conservatives because if you're a liberal and compare President Trump to Hitler, you are applauded for it. So that's hypocrisy. But, you know, the media leads with this story yesterday when, listen, the guy made a mistake. He knew it. He he was trying to be cute in, in, uh, in his comparisons and it just didn't land and it was stupid and it was irresponsible and he said it right away the lead story is foreign policy i'm sorry but if people don't know what's going on with north korea it is your responsibility you know i'm listening today to a bunch of student journalists okay who first of all somebody said i wrote down this quote i don't care if people want to know and this was in referring to, now we talked about the record of uh, the person who was dragged off the United flight, who, by the way, I criticized that. I said that's wrong. If you look at that video, if that's what it is, if you take that for face value, that is absolutely wrong for somebody to be brutalized and dragged off a flight by three, by an air marshal and two other authorities, you know, by uh, somebody who didn't need three people to drag him off. This isn't Hulk Hogan. And so... That was wrong, okay? And honestly, no one should be really forced off a flight. If you buy a ticket, you have a ticket. But we, as I felt, 
And I know that it's relevant to look at someone's past. And if you are a journalist and most organizations included some sort of blurb about his past, he is a convicted criminal, the guy that was dragged off the plane. Now, that was not the reason why he was dragged off the plane, but it is relevant because he claimed that he was a doctor and that he was going to see patients. And that's why he couldn't leave the plane. But his license was revoked. And he was exchanging, he was, uh, he was convicted of exchanging prescription pills for sex, for other egregious acts, and he went to prison for. And he got his medical license taken away. And so you have people today, there are like these young snowflakes who say, you know, uh, this is, uh, has no relevancy at all. And then even to bring a race into that issue. And to say, well, maybe it's because he was Chinese that they uh, that they dragged him off the flight. I mean, give me a break, okay? Can't now listen. It was disgusting. It was wrong to drag someone off the plane from their clothes and and drag them through an embarrassment like that. Absolutely wrong. But is it racially motivated? How can you jump to that conclusion? Everything from the left is made about race. Everything. You know, they're supposed to not see color, and they're the ones that bring up race in every argument. It's absolute, It's unbelievable. Race does not play a part in everything. I'm sorry. But, you know, if a black guy beat me up, does that mean that he's a racist? No. Maybe he just beat me up because he doesn't agree with me. Okay? Or vice versa. If a white guy beat up... I mean... You gotta, you really have to wonder. You have to scratch your head at some of these things. And I'm listening to some snowflakes today because they just blame everything on everybody and they say the administration is not working. Welcome to Trump's era. This is Trump's America, they say. And this is where people are being dragged off planes. This is because Trump's president. I mean, they will find any way to blame the president who is dealing with a foreign policy crisis the le- the he is not dragging someone off a plane. It is moronic to even suggest that or even make a joke about that. And if someone did that against Obama, there would be moral outrage to the fullest extent. And then the snowflakes in Notre Dame. Well, you know, ironically, so they don't they feel quote unsafe because the vice president Mike Pence is going to speak at the commencement. You know. Um, let me give you a comparison here, a very truthful comparison, uh, and something that I have to contend with. My commencement address will be made by Chucky Schumer, the Democrat from New York, someone who I've been very critical of, someone who has obstructed every single thing from Trump. Now, the only thing he agreed on was the Syrian airstrike, and that, I mean, I mean it's a no-brainer, as was Judge Gorsuch, but he filibustered, okay? He has moral outrage over everything. So I got to listen to him whine next month, okay? Uh, not looking forward to it, to be honest with you, and I can't wait to just get the hell out of that building that day, but I'm not boycotting. I don't feel unsafe. Frankly, I hope that I have a chance to speak with Senator Schumer and talk to him and maybe get into a policy debate. That would be wonderful if he can have that conversation with me. And we welcome him to come on this program. But for students in Notre Dame to feel so offended by the vice president, I mean, listen, okay? Why? Because he's a Christian? You go to a Catholic school. So you spend all this money to go to a Catholic school. Apparently, you don't feel offended by going to school every day, but you feel offended by Mike Pence, who they allege is a sexist, racist, homophobic, xenophobic, all these phobias that I'm supposed to have, apparently. It's moronic. You know, go to your damn graduation. You're almost done with school. Move on with your life. Get a job. Have a career. Support your family. They really don't get life. They just don't. Okay? And life's about hard work. And what, they're going to cry over someone that they feel unsafe because he's speaking at their commencement? Grow up. Okay, I, I have, I'm biting the bullet. I don't want to, but I'm biting the bullet. So bite the bullet, go, 
maybe you can have an open mind. And guess what? I will go, I promise you this, that I will go to my commencement with an open mind. And I will try to listen to him, but here's the deal. If he makes an allegation, Chuck Schumer, about Trump, and if he calls him a bad person, which will get applause at a liberal college, I will be very disappointed. I will be pissed off, and I will communicate with that with you. Okay? But if he goes up there and maybe gives a message about working hard, I can get behind that. That I can get behind. Um, but so many people just overly sensitive. We talked about Chick-fil-A yesterday. Just the sensitivity and the moral outrage. Where is the outrage and being sensitive over the fact that they are murdering their own people in Syria? And the fact that President Trump did something about it and said, we are not going to take this. How about the moral outrage over Saudi Arabia and what they do to women and the persecution of Christians and Jews during this Holy Week in the Middle East? The murder of 44 people at, on Palm Sunday in Egypt. Where's the outrage over that? In fact, the media barely even covered that terrorist attack in Egypt that broke on Sunday morning and on Palm Sunday that we covered on my show that I made sure to rewrite my monologue to discuss because these are the important issues. Now, you talk about snowflakes at schools. What concerns me is the way kids are being brought up today because they are being brought up in an era where you're, there's moral outrage over everything. If, you know, little Johnny has a boo-boo, it's the end of the world, okay? And meanwhile, they're teaching kids communism. No joke. MIT Press, the so-called uh, self-proclaimed supporter of scientific thought, and they just put out a book that MIT Press did, a children's book aimed at little kids in communicating communism. The book's name, children's book's name, is Communism for Kids. And it is now on Amazon's bestseller list in their, I can't believe they even have this, a communism and socialism section. Imagine that Amazon actually has a section for communism and socialism. Okay, anyone that supports communism and socialism, go to Venezuela, okay, where they're almost at default. They just avoided that today. Venezuela, the Venezuelans there, they're sifting through garbage to get their food, okay? They have no money, and the regime there in Venezuela is profiting off of the dilapidation of their own country. That's what socialism does, okay? And so this is what how the book, Communism for Kids, a children's book, starts off by saying, Once upon a time, people yearned to be free of the misery of capitalism. Oh, God, okay? You had me at free, you lost me. A misery of capitalism. Capitalism, okay, creates jobs. You can't survive in life without money, folks. And people just, just don't inherit money. Even Trump, who inherited a loan extended that business and launched a real estate empire around the globe, okay? And he inherited just a little bit, but he created his wealth. And communism, yeah, you know what? Let's just take from people who worked hard for their money and let's just spread the wealth. How does that incentivize people? And the book is filled with uh, depictions of jealous princesses, fancy swords, displaced peasants, mean bosses, and tired workers. And a talking chair in a big pot called the state. Because, yeah, capitalism, destroying things. It, it, I mean, this is what they're teaching kids today. And this actually exists, this book. I cannot, I couldn't believe my eyes. Kids are learning about communism and are being brainwashed. The, the plot focuses on workers at two factories who must fight through a myriad of problems to save a business day, and their struggles are 
played out along the lines of the various economic systems. So they, of course, say that the communist system works the best for the worker. Uh, the A reviewer, Frederick Jameson, a professor who also serves as the director for the Institute of Critical Theory at Duke University, should probably be fired, said, quote, This delightful little book may be helpful in showing youngsters there are other forms of life and living than the one we currently enjoy. And even some adults might learn from it as well. Okay? This idiot, okay, of a professor who believes that children should be brainwashed about communism, really? How about you teach hard work, motivation, dedication, okay, and passion for doing what you love? Teach kids that they can do anything and become anything. That if you believe in yourself, you can grow up to be anything, even the president of the United States. No matter who you are, no matter your upbringing, you can be whatever you set your mind to be. But no, their message to kids is, well, just take, you know, the people who earn their wealth, you know, they really didn't earn it, and let's just take from them. It's a disgusting message, okay? And it's brainwashing kids, and it's frankly leading to why we have such an issue in this millennial generation that people just feel entitled to things. They feel that people don't work hard. They feel that poor me, and I deserve free tuition, and blah, 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 and, uh, and I'm sensitive, and I need trigger warnings or I'm going to kill myself. I mean, give me a break, okay? Uh, it's, time to, it's time to get with the program. It's time for a little tough love, and you can't be teaching communi communism in a classroom, okay? Uh, this is like the Soviet Union stuff, and this is what you're doing in classrooms. And this is not isolated. I mean, it goes on. This is nothing new. Luckily, it has been brought to the forefront, and we're going to continue to cover the lunacy that is uh, occurring in educational systems because what, are, what you're seeing here is the overtaking of a generation of a country by people who hate success, that are jealous of success, that cannot take that someone who is so successful as president. They cannot take it. They want activists, you know, to stand by them and promote the nonsense messages of Black Lives Matter, okay? And support them when they say all these hateful things about those who protect our nation and keep us safe. So we will continue tomorrow. We have Tanisha Tingle-Smith on the program, a secretary, uh, not secretary, state, former State Department official, though. She'll be on the program tomorrow about foreign policy as we have all these challenges in the world. God bless you and God bless America. The Neil A. Caruso Show podcast is a production of Caruso Enterprises, engaging, informing, and entertaining, passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Caruso on social media. And log on to neilacaruso.com to sign up for Caruso's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.